protecting yourself from spiritual disease. I'll go ahead and I confess I am a germaphobic. Uh, my wife loves to watch these television shows and they talk about germs in hotels and restaurants. And she messed me up. I've been going to the gym like for 30, 40 years. And she'll go, do you know all the germs that operates on the equipment? I'm like, yeah, baby. And we, you know, all this hygiene. And I even drive around my car with a little bottle of uh, Perel in the door, you know. So I wish you could have sent us video on this. We were looking for the grossest bathroom we could find. You know, if you're on vacation, have you ever noticed you don't even have to look? They just appear. Like, you know, and, I, and I'm, I have all girls, so I've always been really sensitive to women. And I go, well, how about this next exit? Oh, that, they'd be fine. Let's pull off that next exit. Because my philosophy is drive and conquer. Let's get there. But they are like, let's stop and smell the roses and, you know, go to the restroom. And, uh, and anytime I pull off and I go, which one? They'll pick one. And it's a lot of times it's good. And sometimes it's like gross. So we couldn't find a gross bathroom. Finally, we found one. True story, there was a Hell's biker outside. Maybe it wasn't a Hell's Angel. I don't know. But he was a, definitely a burly biker. I love this guy. And he was sitting there, and he's watching us video this thing. And he comes over to me. He goes, hey, uh, you think I could, like, use the restroom? <laughs> so what you didn't catch was he actually did. We had to stop filming. He went in. And we were going to film him coming out. But anyway. I wish somebody had been videoing us, videoing that for you. But, you know, uh, we know about germs in the physical. If, uh, if we were in uh, Atlanta this morning at the CDC or Washington, Washington Department of Health, they could give us pamphlets and information about germs, pandemic, flu, epidemics, all kinds of things. I mean, we could just get all the information about outbreaks that we want to get, that uh, we could be infectious and contaminated as a community. But I want to talk to you about something far more important than the physical, as important as the physical is. It's a spiritual dimension of our lives, and specifically the church. Titus was here, and he writes, uh, or Paul writes this letter to him at the island of Crete. He says, you've started churches here. These churches are, are exploding, but I want them to be organized and governed around my word and around my principles. So he wanted to have sound doctrine to protect the church, the, the church universal. So uh, we get this letter today, and here we are, 2009, and we're still saying, God, how do I get a strong church? I want you to do something with me. Uh, you can, I want everybody to stand in the room, and unless you have a parallel Bible, and I have one of those, uh, but I don't have it with me right now, or you have a copy of the message, it's not going to read like yours. So you can turn to chapter 1 in Titus, starting in verses 10 through 16 but will not read what I'm going to read to you from the screen. So if you will just stand in honor of the king, uh, this is the message translation from Eugene Peterson, a, a tremendous Greek scholar. And when you track a lot of these words, they will actually be what we see here, but your translation will read different. I just want to go ahead and give a, 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 a warning. Listen, for there are a lot of rebels out there full of loose, confusing, and deceiving talk. Those who are brought up religious and ought to know better are the worst. They've got to be shut up. They're disrupting the entire families with their teaching and all for the sake of a fast buck. One of their own prophets said it best. The Cretans are liars from the womb, barking dogs. Don't you like that? Lazy bellies. He certainly spoke the truth. Get on them right away. Stop that disease talk of Jewish make-believe and believe and made-up rules so that they can recover a robust faith. Everything is clean to the clean-minded. Nothing is clean to the dirty-minded unbelievers. They leave the dirty fingerprints on every thought and act. They say they know God, but their actions speak louder than their words. They're real creeps, disobedient, good for nothings. And basically what we see here is the Apostle Paul is trying to let us know that in the church, erroneous, false teaching can slip in just like it did in that day in the island of Crete. And we have to be careful and we have to guard our minds 
And we have to guard our hearts from false teaching. And that's one of my roles as pastor. I'll talk about it in a minute. It's about guarding the teaching that comes from this platform. But really, the elders try to guard the teaching that will come through this body. Because we know in this day and age, Satan is a deceiver. He masquerades as an angel of light. He is looking for an open window to come in and to try to nail down the church. But the church of Jesus Christ shall prevail. Amen? You can be seated. So we're going to get into this today. Chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. Now, Titus here is a companion to Timothy. He is a, uh, a troubleshooter. In your business, you might have a troubleshooter. And we have troubleshooters in business. I mean, to help with financial problems in this day and age, definitely with uh, computer challenges. And you have guys and women that can go in and they can figure out your system. And I personally have this show called 24. And I, I love Chloe. She's a little odd, to be honest with you. But she's absolutely brilliant. If you watch 24, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, would that be an understatement? But Titus is really a low-profile kind of guy. He's not as elevated as Timothy, but he has a very keen mind, and he's able to take on tough situations. He resolved attention in Corinth earlier, and then in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, chapter 8, verses 6, 16 through 24, then he appoints him to go in and to collect, to take an offering. So this guy's a very uh, esteemed guy, but he's, he's low profile on the deal. He's just trying to make Christ known. He's trying to keep the church pure. And in verse 10 and 11, let's look there in the NIV or the translation you have. For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. Now, I don't know, but there's a lot of deceiving doctrines and philosophies propagated on the church of Jesus Christ. They, they come to, to nullify, to void out, to, to try to take away from that which uh, God has for us. So bad teachers were present then. Bad teachers can be present today. And, and believe me, I, I, I've seen some bad teachers. They're insubordinate. They're rebellious leaders. They insisted on circumcision plus Christ, not Christ. And anytime you add anything, which Jesus plus Jesus equals more of Jesus. Amen, church? But some people were trying to say, well, I'll add a ritualistic twist. Or I'll try to add my own uh, revelation that God's given me. I have special revelation or something. But God accepts anyone, says Romans chapter 1, verse 17, who comes to faith in Him. We come by the way of the cross. And that's for all of us. So as we look here, there's these deceiving spirits. But I want you to turn over to Matthew. Turn to the chapter 8 of the Gospel of Matthew. And in this particular passage, uh, it's a very powerful thing about the word authority. On the side of your margin, write down the word authority. There's two big words they're not big words, but they're two thoughts that I want to just hammer today. The first one's authority. And if you just write it on the side there, but chapter 8, verse 5, we'll hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under, under, circle it in your Bible, under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. I like it when Jesus gets astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such a great faith as this. 
This man possessed this incredible faith because he knew who God was. He knew Jesus was God. He, his authority had been established in his life. He submitted. He bowed. And in our day and age, our values, our authority is under scrutiny all the time. And people will try to battle that in our life. And TVs and movies and music and the agenda, all that's trying to bombard and, and give us a different message than what the Holy Scriptures would teach. But I want to say this to you. Hear it carefully. Anytime you and I rebel against authority, we rebel against the Lord God Almighty sitting on high in heaven. You're saying, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. When you rebel against your employer, it's not an immoral, sinful situation. You're rebelling against the authority. When you rebel against the laws that God has set in place, you rebel against authority. When you rebel against the federal and state government by not paying your taxes, they call it tax evasion. Uh, we have people out here at Maxwell and other prisons. You, you go to prison for that. And even in the church of Jesus Christ, when we don't submit, as I talked last weekend about eldership and how God has established that to be leaders in the church, when we go against the authority of the church, the, or kids, teenagers, when you go against the authority of your mom and dad, that is God's established authority in your life to bring honor and blessing and peace, and you should obey them. When we obey them, the Scripture says you will live a long life. You're saying, well, what does that mean? My parents are going to take me out? No, they just want to take you out sometimes. But God is into this authority, this principle. It's a principle that drives heaven. I know this. The kingdom of God drives, runs on rails of authority. Do you believe that? It's God's eternal way, His eternal principle that He establishes authority for the church. He establishes authority for your home. He establishes authority for your job, for your marriage. And the rebellious, they don't recognize, they don't acknowledge, they don't submit to authority. Titus would say it this way, or Paul would, remove the spiritual cancers from your church. This morning, if you noticed this past week there was a lump or something that was uncommon to your body because you know yourself, and you decided to go to the physician tomorrow, and the doctor came in and did some blood work and he did some tests, and they came out and gave you that dreaded report that I hear too many times in our church. You have a form of cancer. You have stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, but somehow you've got cancer. You don't go, you know, let's just let it grow. You immediately want them to exercise the ability to cut, to surgically remove that, to get it out of your body that you might live a quality and maybe a long life, right? But you, you just wouldn't. You wouldn't just go, well, you know, if, you, you know, if you'd like for it to grow a little bit, I'll, I'll be a test tube for you. I'll just be a guinea pig. Well, in the church of Jesus Christ, in this day of Titus at the island of Crete, and now in 2009, the devil tries to come through false teachers trying to circumvent God's authority, and he wants to bring in error, false ideology into the church. You say, well, that would never happen. It happens all the time. There are churches this morning that are built on false doctrines. So Titus is very clear. He, he was giving direction this letter was given for them at that day, but he knew a few thousand years later we would still need this guidance for our life. And listen to what, if you fill the first blank in, we need to silence the false teachers. They were vain teachers, and they had no content or substance when they spoke. They excelled in talking, not doing. As Eugene Peterson said, shut them up. Quieten them, silence them, remove them. Don't let them have part in your services, in your teachings, in your small group. There's no eternal 
substance. There's no joy. There's no food from heaven. This is not God's way. They're empty talkers. They're, they're full of sound. They have captivating, smooth-talking, flattery speech. The NLT says, the New Living Translation goes, they are simply useless. Now, I don't know about you. I, I see that everywhere I go, man, there's just a lot of useless teaching in the body of Christ even. And you can turn on television sometime, and if you have the mind of Christ and can discern truth from error, you begin to go, what is that? That is just something they got. Years ago, I learned this. I've been a pastor in my 27th year. And I remember early on in the ministry, people think you know more than you do. In your field of expertise, do you agree that people think you know more than you do? And if you don't, you try to make them think you know more than you do. And used to, some people would ask me a question, and I knew enough theology and study of Scripture and reading it to be dangerous. And I'm still in this pursuit of my king because a disciple is a learner. And I have not arrived. I am submitting and learning and yielding to the Holy Spirit and to the Father. But I remember I would tell people, I, I would give them some kind of partial answer because I didn't want to just sound like an idiot. But, you know, I finally just got to the point where I go, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know there's about three schools on this. I know there's three opinions on this. But this be my conviction. This be my opinion. I don't know. I'll get back to you. It's okay in the house of faith sometimes when you just go, I don't know. But I'll get back to you. Is that okay for some of you? Some of you lead small groups. You go, I can never lead a small group. No, 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 no. Time out. If I waited till I knew everything about God to lead a church and pastor a church, we'd have never started, but neither would have any other churches that I know of in America. You know what I'm saying? you, you got to get going what you know. And you begin to learn. And he says, there's all this, like some people go, oh, I just go to the church of Oprah. Church of Oprah. I just go here. And I just say, oh, we'll go to the Scientology. We'll go with John Travolta. We'll go here. Oh, no. Man, that's just crazy. That's just foolishness. That's just deceptive minds that have come in and told a bunch of stuff. Listen to what Scripture said. In 2 Timothy, God gives a great passage on this. Um, let me, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. But that, and listen to this. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. But we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take those captive. Every thought, we make it obedient to Jesus Christ. So our goal as Christ followers is, Lord Jesus, my mind is sinful sometimes. I get my mind on things. My, my flesh gets me off course. I need to have my mind renewed by the washing in the water and the regeneration of the word. Lord, captivate my thoughts. I know it does this. Truth wins. Write it down. Truth wins every single time. Now, I don't know about you, but man, truth is just going to win out. Error has never won. Error can win for a season. Error can lead people astray as it does. But the truth of God's word has God to rest on. It has God to back it. There, there's a passage here. I, I want to show this to you. It's Jeremiah, the 14th chapter. This passage, passages are going to come up on the screen. And this is like it was just written this morning in the paper for us today about the church. But listen to what Jeremiah 14, 14, chapter 23, verse 2, verses 21 and verse 32. You go to the web and you can get that again if you didn't get it. Here he goes. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own mind. Jeremiah is saying, they have not been sent by God. They're not from God. It is not God's words. 
They have dreamed in their own world. They have made up their own thought process. They are leading the people of faith far from him. Let's move on. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. That's a serious word to a leader of God's people. I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to him, yet they have prophesied. They have spoken what they thought was right. They have spoken what they thought they had entertained as revelation, but it wasn't revelation for me. He goes on to say, Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and they lead my people astray with their reckless lies, yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit the people in the least, declares the Lord. Here it is. Line up under the word of God. You and I, anytime we get over here and we get over here, we get in trouble. You say, well, you know, I don't think God was clear about this. I think I can help him. You know what, y'all? God didn't need our help. Has anybody figured that out besides me yet? I love to help the Father sometimes. Like, well, God, you know, I'm going through this situation. I need a little help. Well, God don't need my help. He, he's running the universe just fine before he created me. He'll be running it just fine when I'm gone. And matter of fact, it might even run better. But here it is. Today, false gospel is rampant. And many want to hear this false teaching. Here's the verse I want to get to. 2 Timothy 4.3. Write it down. 2 Timothy 4.3. This is such a true word. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I learned a long time ago, it's easy to build a crowd. Over my 27 years, I've had some massive crowds I've spoken to. I can build a crowd by God's grace and His strength. But let me tell you what God wants. God doesn't want a crowd. And, and the Great Commission in the Gospel doesn't say, at the very end, go and build a crowd until I come again. What does it say? Go and what? Make disciples. God wants to make people more like His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to come into the likeness of Jesus. And so this whole thing about, well, they've got 20,000, they've got 30,000, they've got 50,000. I'm not trying to judge the work. I'm just saying, you can get a crowd, but you can lead a crowd to hell. You can lead a crowd astray. You can deceive a crowd, but it's one thing to make a disciple. And the disciple is one that they deny themselves. They pick up their cross daily, and they follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants. He says, I'm into discipleship. That's my heart. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great German theologian, says, there's no cheap grace. So let's move on here. And then he says this. I, I think this is interesting. Uh, legalism raises up. Now, all, all through the ages, I've heard, well, you know, you, you can't wear dresses, and you can't wear makeup, and you can't go to movies, and you, you can't dance if you dance at least uh, uh, premarital sex. And oh, no, no, I mean, you know, we, we can talk about all the things and what happens. But, and then other people say, well, if you just become miserable, then you'll be a better Christian. <laughs> Who wants to be miserable? You know what I'm saying? Man, I want to have the joy of Jesus Christ. But listen to 1 Corinthians 1.17. The gospel not with words should be preached of human wisdom, or not of human wisdom, at least the cross of Christ be emptied of its very power. Did you know the cross has got power in it right now? And when I lift up the cross, when I lift up the resurrected Christ, Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will do what? I will draw, I will pull all men, all people into myself. If I be exalted, not man, but Christ. In verse 12, let's look at it there in the scripture together. In uh, chapter 1 of Titus, i got to turn there with you. Look at verse 12. 
He says, even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Now, that's not a very endearing term, is it? They had a term in that day. It says, you have been Cretanized. So you can go out today and say, I've been Cretanized. That means you've been lied to, okay? And my goal is we don't want to lie to one another. And there, there are lies in our relationships. There are lies in our life. But the most famous falsehood about this at Titus at the island of Crete is an amazing thing. They were saying that the God, little g God, Zeus, was buried on the island of Crete. But he was buried on the island of Crete, but he was known to be immortal. Now stop and think about that a minute. He was known to be immortal, but you buried him on the island of Crete? I don't know about you, but my God is what? Is eternal. My God, they tried to bury him, and on the third day, he rose up. He got up out of that grave, and he reigns now and forever. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. He got up. I don't know about you, but when dead people get up, I start listening. I mean, you want to draw a crowd, you die and come back and talk about it, people will come. They'll pay money to hear you. And when you go, man, I hold the keys to life and death. And So they've been cretinized. What if somebody said, all Montgomery's, all River region people they're all liars well that wouldn't be true do we have some liars in the river region area absolutely but christ says be transformed be transformed in your life be transformed in your church be transformed in your marriages but be transformed by the spirit of christ and let me tell you this my role as pastor from this platform is to feed you the word of god is to teach you the word of god now i can't give you enough of the word on Sunday to make it through a week. It takes every day with Jesus. I just hope to alliterate and uh, hold up truth and hold up the Lord Jesus and brag on Him. So I feed you the Word. Here's the deal. About 15, 25 minutes from now, somebody has already gone off. The dinner bell is going off. And you go, I'm hungry, Pastor. I want to go eat. Okay? And this afternoon, you're going to go, I'm not going to eat. No, you're going to go feed that thing. I know what you're going to do. But if you went to a restaurant this afternoon and you walked in the restaurant and you had your family and you sat down and ordered a meal and 15 minutes went by and 30 minutes went by and 45 minutes went by and 60 minutes went by, a bunch of you would already be gone. But then you go, hey, I just want you to know we came in here at 12.15. We still haven't had anything to eat. And they go, oh, we lost your order. Would you like to order again? Some of you would be so nice, you'd go, oh, we just... We wouldn't want to trouble you, but if you could go back there and get it. Some of you stand up and just don't say you go to Christ community. Tell me you go to another church, okay? But that'd be it. But next weekend, about this time, the dinner bell goes off, and you go, man, I need to eat. i got to feed that thing. i got a growing problem. got to eat. And you go over to the restaurant, but you go back to the same restaurant, Paula, and you go into the restaurant, and you sit down, and you order for your family once again. Can you imagine this, Bruce? You order for your family. 15 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by, 45 minutes. They do the song, same song and dance. Now, what are you going to do the third week? Go back? I hope not. You need to talk to that boy. He needs help. Here, you wouldn't go back. You know, that's the thing. I purpose to feed you the Word of God on the weekend. See what I'm saying? And then you come back because you've been fed truth. And you need truth, not what itching ears need. So you know what I do? I guard this platform. Because it's a sacred trust that I've been entrusted with by my Heavenly Father. That's why for 13 years, I don't really know my family on Saturday night. That's why on the weekend, I check out at all kind of parts and bits because I'm constantly thinking of you and praying for the weekend message to deliver. I guard that sacred trust because it's holy. 
I tell you what else I guard. I guard he comes on that platform to speak. I get calls every week. Hey, Christ Community Church, saw you're a member of the Willow Creek Association. Hey, I saw you in Montgomery. I heard, heard you got about 500 people coming out of there. Hey, I'd like to. Uh, uh, uh. No, they'll just go, hey, I want an offering. Can I just come and take your money? You know what? I'm careful about who I would bring in here because I don't want false teachers teachers to come from this stage and pollute and mess you up and you begin to go down the road and you drift from Jesus. But let me give you good news. I let it out last service. I want to tell you. She was sitting right back here. She found out and she about had a heart attack. There's a young man that grew up in this church. He was in our youth group. He went off to college. He'll graduate in May in Bible. He's going to seminary in January the next year. He's getting married next December. His name's Lee Harper. He's studying to be a pastor. I've been talking with him. We got it confirmed yesterday. He'll be here May 10th, Mother's Day. He's going to proclaim the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your hands together in faith and let's thank God for Lee. Lee studying to be a pastor. He's going to give us good truth. You're saying, well, man, I didn't know you were so serious about it. Hey, I don't want some jumping dummy up here telling you stuff. And then, well, you know, and, and then I, and then, and then I got to figure out how are we going to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? So let's move on. So we, we, we feed your small group leaders. They feed you, your teachers. You're careful. Verse 13, he, he says this. He says, rebuke them sharply. It means this. It means to cut as with a knife or an axe. There's nothing soft about that, is it? You cut it out. You remove it. You, took, you put an axe to a tree, you do some damage, don't you? Unless you got a dull axe, get a new axe. You know what I'm saying? You know, you just gum it to death if you do that. But hey, you get rid of that tree. You take that knife and you cut out that uh, insidious, that, that, that sinful, wicked part. You, you cut and he goes, I want you to cut it out. I, I want you to have a preemptive strike. I want you to go against the enemy. I want you to sternly rebuke the deceiver. I don't want you to quietly sit by and go, oh, they're just nice people. They're just trying to give their version of the truth. No, no, we, we don't do that. But as we do this, I like what Warren Wiersbe said. I put the quote there. False doctrine is like yeast. It enters secretly, but it grows quickly, and it permeates completely. A little bit of yeast, but it can do a whole bunch of damage. And a whole bunch of false teaching can mess us up. But he says here, go receive pastoral correction. Have correction that will lead them. Don't propagate disease in the church, but promote health in the church. Promote spiritual vitality. And he says, as you refute, as you rebuke the deceivers, listen to this, have compassion on them. Have compassion on these people because they are lost. And do you remember one day when you were lost? I do. It's easy. See, the longer you're in Jesus, the more you forget about how you used to live. Hopefully the character of Christ is becoming more of your life. Verse 14 here, it says, do not be devoted to myths. There was false teaching centered in this day on two errors. The first one was the Jewish myths. Don't link up with these myths of it's circumcision plus Jesus or it's these rituals plus Jesus. Don't link up with paganism. The second one is, don't focus on the rules and the rituals of the day. Or even today, they, they were going, there were especially Jewish laws that they were trying to devote themselves to. And they said, well, you know, uh, this is clean, this is unclean. I understand that from reading Leviticus in the Old Testament. But God says, hey, it's Jesus Christ. You know what you believe and you know why you believe it and you walk it out. But you let the word of the Lord Jesus Christ begin to wash over your mind. See, every weekend I speak the Scripture to you because I want the Word to go forth with power 
and with force. And as the word goes out, it comes over you and it washes you. It regenerates you. It renews you if you're a Christ follower. And if you're not a Christ follower, I pray that there's conviction and you turn your heart to the Almighty Savior. Amen? So here's what God wants to do. He says, don't be devoted to myths. In, in Mark 7, 5, he says this. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, well, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He says, I want you to have health. And health comes through sound doctrine. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through the hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Jesus Christ Himself. And then move to the last section because God's just trying to say, there's traditions, there's rituals, there's rules to follow. But you need to follow Christ. You need to follow Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and raised for you. In verse 15, in this little box, this is all about purity. The Lord desires purity in our lives. It's an absence of blemish or stain, especially sin. The state of being morally, spiritually pure. This is an expected, distinguishing mark of the church. God demands purity in the church. Be ye holy because... I am holy. Church, I, I could sit here and talk about this all day, but fellowship with God demands purity. If you go, I fellowship with God, but I live in sin. You have so deceived yourself, friend. Quit. Stop. Repent. Turn around. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? All the time, I remember when I first got saved, there was, there was this guy, I knew him to be a pothead. He said, I love Jesus. Now, I was radically on fire for Jesus. I had just put down the bottle. I just quit cussing. Christ had radically transformed me. I was a new creation in Christ. I was witnessing to everything I could. And everybody told me what an awesome Christian he was. But he was known to do pot all the time. And I remember going up to him. I said, bro, you got to stop. He goes, I have great fellowship with God, brother. I'm happy. I said, no, dude, you're doped up. You're on drugs. And so we got into, we got into this word exchange. I said, quit making the grace of Jesus cheap. If you really love Jesus, you're going to put that down. You're going to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people, well, you, you just have fellowship with God, and you just worship whatever you want to worship. No, you can't either. My God is a jealous God. How about yours? You know, Donna, if I went home and said, hey, baby, I just decided to have another lover. I'm going to stay faithful to you, but I'm just going to kind of be over here sometimes. How long do you think that's going to last? Y'all going to be finding a new pastor quick because she's going to take me out. You know what I'm saying? That just, that, that's just, that's absurd. You know? You're going to hide dumb. Well, people say that. Oh, I have fellowship with God and I hate my brother. You don't have fellowship with God and you hate your brother? You're saying, well, read your Bible. See what God says about it. Instead of what man, Psalm 24. We got to get here. 24, 3 and 4. We sang it last weekend. We're going to sing it today. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul or an idol to an idol or swear by what is false. Psalm 51, 6. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom, O God, in the inmost place. We're morally and spiritually defiled and we need Christ and we need the Word. It's not the things of this world. It's what He does in our hearts. God, give us pure hearts. Holiness is what our God requires this morning. Colossians 3 5. He says, Put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. That's idolatry. You claim to know God and you deny Him? Don't fool yourself any longer, child. 
Follow Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, 16. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes from the thorn bushes or figs from the thistles. By their fruit you will recognize them. Those that are in Jesus Christ will abide in Christ and they will bear much fruit. That's my prayer for our church. God, make us a fruit-bearing church until you come again. For these detestable false teachers, they were trying to teach Jesus plus this. Man, they were disqualified. They were rejected. It was sick. They were professing knowledge of God because of their Jewish background, because they said they knew the Old Testament better than others, and maybe they did, but they didn't base it on Christ. So my prayer is, protect yourself from a sin-sick soul by running to Jesus. Running to Jesus. Lord, we come to you today. You're a faithful God. I want you to hear this passage that I didn't get to last service. It's the awesome words of the uh, prophet Isaiah. In the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, he says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried out sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm going to invite the band to come back up while Adam's play, I mean, while Jeremy plays. If you pull the lights down, guys, over at your right, I'm going to invite Randy and some elders to go to the cross. Last service, in this service last week, we had an explosion of worship. We had an explosion of altar responses. And I'm just going to invite you in the next few minutes just to slide over to the cross and get spiritual direction, get prayer, find hope, give your life to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't deceive yourself. Oh, I have fellowship with God and you know you're in sin. Get rid of it today. God demands a pure house of worship. And He demands purity from us. And He is able. This next song we're going to sing, I believe today we're going to sing it with new abandonment and with new power and new clarity and yes, even new focus. God, You desire clean hands. And you desire a pure heart. And I will not lift up my idols to another, but I'll lift my hands to you, Father God, because you are God. And you do as you see fit. So I'm going to invite you all to rise to your feet right now. And some of you begin to make your way to the cross on the right side of the room. And as Adam leads us in this song, I'll come back and close it out. Let's worship the King. Drop everything from your mind and worship Him. He is holy. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast out our idols. Give us clean. Give us clean. 
together and thank the Lord. He is worthy this morning. Bless you, Lord Jesus. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And I pray as he demands purity, we'll give that back to him in our worship of him. Hey, I want you to do something. Uh, can, can you get a light up here on the drum? Brand new drummer this morning, Andy. Great job today. Put your hands together. Thank you for his gifts. Great job, buddy. Glad to have you. Amen. We need your help. We are having a party here Wednesday night, connecting point, and we need to turn this into a big fellowship hall. So we need some big, burly, and little burly men. Is that an oxymoron? Anyway, we need to have tables up. So if about 20 of you or 25 of you can stay, this room could transform in about 12 minutes. 